The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Isaiah chapter 65. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For the day, like the days of a tree, shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. God, we thank you for your word. Of your grace. The label is Disney adult. This is someone who spends an inordinate amount of time, maybe you know someone, maybe you know a Disney adult, an inordinate amount of time, money, and energy on all things Disney, particularly in planning and paying for expensive trips to the place, to the Mecca that is Disney World. Shani Hill A proudly self-proclaimed Disney adult says this of her eight or nine trips to Disney each year. She says, it just makes you feel magical. You can just let yourself go and immerse yourself in the experiences that Disney gives you. James Demetrius, a lawyer in Connecticut who spends about $6,000 a year on trips to the Magic Kingdom, says, as an adult, it's all about having that escape and having those Pieces of nostalgia that you can go back to. Well, most people, including the 7 million hits which come from hashtag Disney adults are the worst, tend to heap judgment on these folks who just need to grow up. Jody Levine, a professor at Lehigh University, says, These trips made by Disney adults are a form of faith, they're a form of religion. She writes, we need to understand what makes these adults tick, whether it's a theme park or a church or a bit of both, because that's why scholars of religion have been taking Disney seriously since the early 80s. Religions are practices in which people intensify joy and confront their suffering. 
And so these pilgrimages to Orlando are intended to cultivate joy, whether it be celebrating a milestone birthday or a cancer remission or confronting suffering, grieving the loss of a family member by going to Disney or making this the last big trip before someone is expected to die. You may not be a Disney adult, but you have something that you could easily fill the blank in with. That place you go to for a hit of joy. That place you go to to smack suffering in the face. Are you a Swifty adult? Are you a CrossFitty adult? Are you a timeshare trippy adult? But what happens when you get back from the park? from the concert, from the gym, from the vacay. There still is that hole that Mickey can't mend and that Taylor can't touch. Here's our problem. Here's our problem, friends. We're hoping this present place, this cursed creation will give us what only a new creation can. There's only one place which can generate pure joy and sucker punch suffering. It's a place Shani and James and all of us are longing for, but none of us have yet experienced, where we can have hope when hope is running low, joy in our drudgery, peace in our past failures or our present sufferings or our future lack of prospects. Isaiah 65 shows us this place. Isaac Newton wrote the words to joy to the world based on Isaiah 65. Words that don't mark the coming of Jesus as a baby at Christmas. No, words that mark the coming of Jesus to take us to the reality of all realities, his new creation. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Friends, Jesus has come to bring joy to your world because he's making everything new. Jesus has come to bring joy to your world because he's making everything new. What is he making new, friends? Three things I want to highlight from this passage this morning. He's making a city that is loud with singing. Second, he's making death to lose its sting. And third, he's making life for the fullest of living. First, Jesus is making a city that's loud with singing. Would you look with me at verses 17 to 19 as the Lord says this? He starts with this. He says, for behold. means look, pay attention to what is going on here. I create new heavens and a new earth. He's saying, I am the one to create something new. This should call us, when you hear that, I create new heavens and new earth, that new heavens and new earth, that should call you back somewhere. Where does that take you, friends, in your Bibles? It should take you to the beginning of your Bible. The first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. But here... This verse is different. What is it? The word 
new. What's new about these heavens and this earth? There's no more curse. There's no more fall. There's no more sin, no more death. Let's keep reading. And the former things, this curse and the pain and suffering and death that comes from the curse of man and their sin shall not be remembered or come into mind. Death, pain, all the broken things that you spend sleepless nights tossing about won't even come into your head for a moment. Not be remembered anymore. Can you imagine? And this is what he says will happen instead. But be glad. Which means have a happiness that lives within you. And rejoice. That's having a happiness that now comes out of you. So be glad what's within you. Rejoice what comes out of you forever. In that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. He is making better than a magic kingdom. He is creating the truest and happiest place on earth for you to enjoy. But better than that, what does he say next? I will rejoice in Jerusalem and I will be glad in my people. The maker of this happiest place on earth will be happy with you. He'll be there with you. These Disney adults, as much as we're tempted to mock them, they're on to something. As they travel to a place to bring them joy and rid them of suffering, but they're headed the wrong direction. I-95 to Orlando singing Hakuna Matata is a dead end. COVID shut that place down for four months. But look at this place. Look at this new creation. It is filled with songs of rejoicing from a people who have been rescued from the dead and brought back to life. And the conductor and the creator of all of it, he's singing with them too. He's singing about what his son has made and done for our cursed humanity. He has lifted, Jesus has lifted a cancerous curse. And we will sing and we will dance at the top of our lungs for what he's done. There was a movie that came out last year called Spirited, clever take on the Dickens Christmas Carol. And what these people do, these people who have died, they come into the earth and redeem hateful humanity. They One person at a time, like what happened to Scrooge, they redeem these people. And the, in the beginning scene of the movie, they have redeemed this woman from her bitterness and from her awfulness. And what happens? The music starts. And the cast breaks out into this song that doesn't leave your head. Under that Christmas morning feeling. And they start dancing around and going around. And as they're going around, one of the newest members of the staff is watching all this happen and them singing and dancing. And he's reluctantly asking this big guy, he's like, what is happening here? Why are they singing and their boss looks back at them. She says, well, because this is a musical. And he's like, what is? She's like, all of this, the afterlife, it's a musical. And he's like, oh, man, no way, no way. And one woman, she's like cheering with him, like, yay, it's a musical. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. But this city, 
that's loud with singing, you could, you could consider it a musical. You could. If that's how you rejoice or express happiness. But maybe think of it this way, guys. Think of it as a country song that you turn up ear-splitting loud in your truck. Okay? That's what it is. Okay? Or that wedding where everyone just goes nuts on the dance floor and doesn't care who's watching. That's what it looks like. Or that Irish fest where no one can stay in their seat. They just want to dance around and be on their feet. What Jesus has done for you in lifting your curse and bringing you back to life and making a place for you better than Disney or name your destination leads you to respond with rejoicing, with singing, with something like that. I love Christmas Eve service in that church down the hill. You hear the sound of singing that is so incredibly loud. And I love every Sunday morning when the singing is loud. Because that's just a sneak preview. But friends, that's like two on the dial of new heavens and new earth. The new heavens and new earth would be like turning it up to ten. The fullest expressions of happiness. Friends, the more we set our minds, our hearts, our eyes on the reality of all realities, the good news of Jesus' work in saving us, the louder and the livelier this place will become. The louder and livelier your homes will become. This Christmas season, when no one was home, and I was, I don't know, I was making cookies or I was doing something Christmas-related, all I want for Christmas is you, Mariah Carey came on. Okay? And I'm, I'm confessing something. I'm admitting something. When I think about that song, I, I really, my kids just roll their eyes and I say this. But when I think of that title, All I Want for Christmas is You, I do think about Christ. I'm like, that's, that's really all, that's all I want is what you brought. That's all I want. So when I sing that song, I'm not thinking what Mariah's thinking. I'm thinking Christ. <laughs> but as that song came out, it's a great song for, like, dancing. And I, I just started dancing around the room literally like no one was looking. And I probably looked like the biggest fool, but I didn't care because it was so good that I was celebrating what Jesus came here to do. I didn't care at all if you'd have saw me. That is what Jesus is making. A city loud with singing, dancing, and expressing our joy in what he's done for us. You might say, Chad, I, Chad, I don't want to sing. I'm in pain. My marriage is in shambles. I hate my job. My mom, my dad, my family members are sick. They're going to die. I can't pay my mortgage. My husband's gone. My body's in pain. Singing right now, Chad, would feel fake and would feel forced. Before you lose heart, friends, look at verses 19 to 20. Jesus makes the city loud with singing precisely because he's made death lose its stinging. Look at verse 19. No more shall be heard in it, in this place, the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. Why is the sound of weeping gone? Why do people weep? Why are the cries for help gone? Because death and sin are gone. Those two words, no more, no more. Let them bring comfort to you right now in your suffering. Those who are asking, how much longer is this life going to be hard and heavy? No more. 
How much longer do I have to see suffering and read all about bad news day after day? No more for those who have lost loved ones tragically. Look at that verse. No more shall there be an, an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days, meaning die before he meets his grandkids or lives out his retirement. No more. Death was defeated in Jesus' resurrection. He's alive right now, never to die again. And he's presently, right now, Jesus is presently living the promise that is soon to be yours if you trust him to bring you back to life. That's what's yours. As you weep over the loss of the loved one taken too soon from you, whisper and maybe even sing, Beneath the tears, those promised words, no more, no more. As you cry out in distress, in exhaustion, desperation, because there's someone who's making your life really unbearable right now, or some situation that wouldn't be happening if people weren't infected with sin, let these words of promise, no more, give you perspective and fuel and hope for a future when every wrong will come untrue. Maybe... The past PTSD of having to relive in your mind what happened to you, that will be a thing of the past. It will be forgotten no more. The memories of what he said to you that cut to the core will be gone no more. And the serpent who made it his mission to bring about this mess, this curse, this brokenness, He will be humiliated as promised in Genesis 3. Look at verse 25. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They, these predators, these harmful creatures, they shall not hurt or destroy In all my holy mountains, says the Lord. The curse is lifted as the predators are no longer predators. The prey are no longer prey. And the serpent, the enemy of God, Satan, will be left on his belly eating dust. No longer being being able to do any more harm or hurt to anyone ever again. This week, I had the privilege of helping my parents clean out my childhood home. It's the place where my parents have lived for the past almost 50 years. And we're cleaning it out to move them into a smaller place. And I kept saying to my parents, I'm like, Mom, Dad, it is a gift to do this work with you because you're still alive. I'm not packing up this place with one of you dead and really sad about you being gone. No, you're still here. And that was a gift and a blessing. But the work was filled with so many reminders of people who aren't here anymore. Pictures of our neighbors and my friends, Stacy, Stephanie, and Steve, who were all killed in a car wreck the day after Christmas. I was 17. And as I stood in my old room staring at their pictures, I remember weeping by the bed as a kid, as a 17-year-old, just begging, God, this can't be true. This can't be happening. And this promise of Isaiah 65 is saying, no more will it be true. No more will that happen. As I pulled out 
a picture of my nephew Matthew hooked up to a bunch of machines who lived only two short weeks of life. I saw his picture in my hands. No more. As I held the quilts crafted by my grandma Ruth, whose warm smile I no longer get to see, the Lord says, no more. No more crying. The promise in Isaiah is that one day this won't be. There will be one last funeral in the new creation. And you know whose it will be? Death's. Death, thou shalt die. I can cry now. We can cry now. But those tears will be a thing of the past in the resurrection reality. It will be replaced with this last point. A life Jesus is making for the fullest of living. Three things I want to point out about this last part that Jesus brings to us and is making for us. He's making resurrection, he's making righteousness, and he's making relationship. Look with me at verses 20 to 24. Fullest of living starts with time which lasts, lasts forever because we have Christ's resurrection, eternal resurrection. Look at this, verse 20. For the young man shall die a hundred years and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. Wait a minute, Chad. The Bible's contradicting itself. What's it talking about? Death? You said this is going to be life forever. Why is it mentioning death? Well, we see earlier in verse 18 that life in this place will last forever and ever. Okay? There's a promise there of eternity. But here, in this passage, why he's talking about dying 100 years and the cinder 100 years old being accursed, what the Lord is doing is he's giving us an illustration of eternity which we can't quite get our minds around. Eternity is a tough one to really understand, okay? So he's using our own experiences to show us, hey, here's a little illustration of what eternity might look like. It's like someone living to be 100. That's not common in this world, right? That's what it'll be like. And if they don't live to be at least 100, you'll be like, something's very wrong, accursed. Something's very wrong about this. Okay, So it's showing us through this illustration that life will be fullest in its time. See this again in verse 22. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. I love trees. I love huge oak trees because they just remind us, I was not here when this thing was planted. I will not be here for a long while after this tree is here. Our growth will be like that. We will be like those oak trees. Slow, steady, life and growth. Our roots will go deeper and deeper and deeper and our branches will get higher and higher and higher. No tree grows to its fullness in a year or ten years. No, it takes like centuries for a tree to grow like that. That will be us. Jesus' resurrection is making a life where time is not about efficiency anymore. Not about, I got to get her done, I only have a little bit more time. No, time will be a tool to just measure growth. Look at how long this tree has been living here. That's what time will be for. I pray a prayer with my kids when they were little. 
Um, it was called Not Yet. And we'd say, now I lay me down to sleep. Not yet. There's more to say. I'm not all done with thanking God for all you've done today. And so we'd say, so thank you, God, for mom and dad. And thanks for all my friends. And thank you for the time to play and days which never end. That's eternity. Think about your best, longest summer day that you do not wish would end. A day you wish you wouldn't have to say goodbye to because it's so good. That's eternity. What else are we longing for besides that resurrection time? We're longing for security and stability which can only come through Christ's righteousness. Look with me at what happens in this security. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit, not plant and another eat. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. The way we have to understand this is really understand the Old Testament. Because the mark of disobedience in the Old Testament of not trusting the Lord was cursed with insecurity. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 28, this is what you heard the curse to be for not trusting the Lord. Listen to this. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not enjoy its fruit. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people while your eyes look on and fail with longing for them all day long, but you shall be helpless. That's the curse of disobedience. But Jesus, living a life of full obedience, of full righteousness, is now given to us. So the place we live doesn't get taken away because of Jesus. The fields we plant, we aren't driven out because of our disobedience. But because of Jesus' obedience, we get to enjoy it forever. And our children, who were left in places like Egypt, who were die when they're two weeks old because of our disobedience. No, they're delivered into a promised land with us. That's all because of Jesus' righteousness, who loved doing the will of the Father, and who now gives us in this promised land a love for loving the Father as well. End of verse 22. My chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Friends, oh, this is incredible to me. The curse of work is lifted. Can you imagine going to work and it feeling like play all day? Where you're not looking at the clock, where you're not counting the hours, where you're not counting the days to retirement. Can you imagine that? We're given Jesus' work of righteousness, of loving doing what God says. And we have complete security. But friends, just know this. This promise in Isaiah 65 doesn't have to be for later. It can start now. It can begin now. I put a note on my monitor at work recently that the Lord would do a work in making my work look more and more like Isaiah 65. I have five phrases, little phrases or prayers on this little sheet of paper. And it's, they say this. It says, make my projects into pleasures Make my lists into love. Make my duty into delight. Make my burdens into blessings. And make my work into worship. 
Friends, we can read these promises in Isaiah and remember that this new creation God has promised, he is making right now in this church. All saints, we the church, the body of Christ, is the sneak preview of Isaiah 65. As we trust in Christ's resurrection and righteousness, the way we spend our time and the way we do our work more and more reflects the place where we're going. I want to ask you this question. What small way might you ask the Lord to begin to transform your present life into looking more like your promised future? I'll say that again. What small way might you ask the Lord to change your present life to look more like your promised future? How might your current home look more like your future home? How might your use of time look more like eternity's clock? How might your work or the parenting of your children look more like blessing than curse? I've intentionally waited to focus on the last verse, verse 24, because it's one verse in this passage which has stayed with me the longest this week. And it's a fitting close to the fullest of life where we have his resurrection time, where we have his righteousness Look at this verse. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The only way for the fullest life to include Christ's resurrection and Christ's righteousness is for us to have Christ's relationship with the Father. Friends, Jesus and the Father are one. They finish one another's sentences through the power of the Holy Spirit, they have a closeness in their relationship like no relationship on earth. They know what the other is thinking, feeling, planning, doing. And friends, this relationship that Jesus and the Father have, this closeness, this intimacy will be ours. We will be with God. Heaven and earth will no longer have this line of separation between the two of them. Heaven and earth will be overlapped. Revelation 21 says, see this, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell. He will make his home with them. Like Adam and Eve had in the garden, we will walk with him and talk with him and finish one another's sentences. He will know our needs before we even speak them and we will have his ear before we are finished calling his name. We have a sneak preview of this, friends, as Jesus promised us that the Spirit of the living God is a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. Heaven is already starting to overlap as the Spirit of the living God lives within us. So for 2024, friends, as we face this new year, how might you know you're living more for now than for what's promised to come. I might measure this by what the scriptures measure it by. It's this question, what happens to you when you receive bad news? What's going to happen to you when you receive bad news? Because we have to be realistic to say 2024 is going to have some bad news, right? What's going to happen when you get that bad news? My wife was reading in Psalm 112 this week a promise which comes to us living this side of heaven overlapping earth. 
Disney adults, when they get bad news, just want to escape, right? Just get away. I got to get away from this. No, this is not what we're given in Scripture. New creation children, the church in Christ, who find their security not in the here and now, but in what is to come. Psalm 112 says this. The righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news, it says. He's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the promise that this new creation is true. And trusting in the truth that Jesus has made all things new. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for these words and this promise. May it affect us, change us, cause us to change the way in which we see our current reality in light of our promised future. We pray that you would do this work in us and through us, that the church, this church, and all the churches in the world might be a sneak preview of this new creation that is to come. We ask this in Jesus' name.